Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with TV and film casting director Erica Hart. Erica started off in network and studio casting, then moved her way up to casting coordinator in the New York office of ABC Primetime Casting. She's cast projects that have screened at the Tribeca Film Festival, South by Southwest, Outfest, Cinequest, and the Cannes Film Festival, and that are streaming on Netflix and Amazon. The Surrogate, a film she cast as well as associate produced, was an IndieWire's Best Movies eligible for a 2021 Oscar and was a variety critic's pick. Recently, Erica was the casting director for the untitled Michael Chase sketch show for HBO Max, Black Don't Crack for ABC, and is currently co-casting Love Life Season 2 for HBO Max. She's cast commercials for high-end brands such as Maybelline, Gillette, Hasbro, and Delta, as well as productions for the National Black Theater. Erica's been the casting associate for shows like Ray Donovan, The Bold Type, Defending Jacob, and The Godfather of Harlem. Outside of casting, Erica's developed series for BET and WeTV. Erica's also appeared in The Hollywood Reporter as a featured rising artist. Listeners, you are in for something pretty special today. Not only is Erica wildly accomplished, but she's also incredibly articulate and is able to break down the TV world in a new way that I think you're really going to understand. Something that I love that Erica talks about is one major difference between preparing for an on-camera audition and preparing for a theater audition. Since TV is constantly evolving, many of the roles haven't been seen before because it's a new episode or even the pilot. So casting is looking for how you would deal with the circumstances that the character is experiencing as opposed to creating a character to live in those imaginary circumstances or inhabit a character that's already been portrayed before. I think this is huge and something I haven't thought of and I love the way that Erica explains it. Now, we always hear in the podcast, don't try to please anyone or don't do what you think the director or the creatives are looking for. Be your authentic self. But Erica takes it a step further and talks about why this is essential. She explains that you can never please everyone because there are so many cooks in the kitchen or different creatives or directors weighing in, and they're all going to have a different aesthetic and different tastes. So the best thing to do is to take your power back and do what you want to do, what your authentic, individual, artistic take is on the material. This really made things click for me. Remember, if you like what you hear, please take a second to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a huge difference. And give us a follow and shout out on Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. We're doing some pretty exciting supplementary content over there, like an Ask an Expert video series with some incredible industry tips and Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant, articulate, and incredibly kind Erica Hart. Well, Erica, I am beyond honored and thrilled to have you chatting with me on the podcast. 
it's kind of been my labor of love and thing that's kind of gotten me through the last year. I guess we're saying that now. I have, I, it kind of started because I was a reader in auditions a lot, like in, in, it kind of became like a little bit of a side hustle for me. And I learned obviously so much from being a reader and hearing conversations. And, you know, sometimes with television, you know, the director isn't usually in the room or sometimes it's the producer. So it's a different kind of feel. But for theater, you know, they're really just talking right after everyone leaves about like how they felt and, you know, different things. And I just was left this feeling of like, wow, I wish that the process wasn't so mysterious or we could let our let actors and everyone really in on this a little bit because i just think that the more we all know and the more we understand the process the better work we're we are going to do which in turn makes your job easier and 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 everything so i am a fan of the work that you do and some of the shows you've worked on so you're kind of a perfect person to in my mind to be chatting on the podcast so thank you no, thank you. I'm I'm honored to be here and I'm I'm always excited to like you said talk about the process because it is kind of a thing that really nobody knows about and I think that it's you know the Hollywood version of the casting director. I'm not saying that it's not true because of course there are bad apples everywhere, but you know, I think there are some misconceptions that that people don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, in drama programs, and I know you went to NYU, I'm sure you know this, but in undergraduate or graduate theater programs, you don't really leave with a sense of, you know how to do your job once you get the part, but Mm -hmm. the process of getting the job is kind of always a little bit mysterious Mm -hmm. for theater too, but especially for film and television, just because you know, what we're doing right now is making self-tapes and then sending them into the void. Or even when I go in for, a, you know, or actors go in for a television audition, you know, it's with the casting director and it's wonderful sometimes, depending on the casting director, you'll, they'll you know, adjust you and everything. But then you leave, you know, and you don't really get a feel for, at the end of the day, the casting director isn't the one giving you the job, you know. Right. So you kind right. of don't get that feel of how it went, what can I do, you know, it's less of a... um communal experience maybe so that's why i'm happy to be chatting with some um television casting directors do you know carly famalant that's my girl that's my girl we've co-cast we co-cast a feature together it was i literally just talked to her yesterday because it was weird in the fact that we both went to nyu she was uh an actor i was in film and her best friend was also in film so like we were it was very much of like parallel lives um, we were at the same parties, at the same events, at the same things, but we never met until we were both assistants over at ABC Casting. Um, and we hit it off then. And she's she's one of my one of my dear dear friends. Um, and yeah, we we've collaborated a lot over the years. Did you know she did this podcast? Or she? I recorded with her like four days ago. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, she's nice. so cool. We had yeah, such a great she's chat. Very cool, a ray, a ray of sunshine for sure. Yeah. So. Let's just kind of jump into it and just kind of see where... Where it goes. I usually like to start with talking about what what work life is like now. You know, pre-pandemic, it was just a little bit different. But I just wonder, because you're in television, maybe things are starting to look a little bit more normal. You know, how much does it look like before? You know, is it the same 
as before the pandemic, you know, kind of the projects that you're working on. And yeah, I guess kind of what what's coming across your desk? What are the things that you are looking at and or casting currently? It's been fun to hear what life was fun. Fun is the wrong word, but what life was like around the middle of March, how oh, things wow. kind of like, you know, production came to a little bit of a halt. So I know I just asked two questions, but whatever you're feeling. So yeah, my life has been just a little bit of a craziness. Um, I think that's everybody else has. Same, but same. Uh, yes. Um, but I was actually thinking about how this all went down. Like you said, like the the middle of the middle of March. I think someone should write a book or like a movie. Not like now, but like way down the line. <laughs> of March 2020. Too soon, um, too soon right now. Because I think that one week I did everything that you probably can't do now. So I went to New Orleans on the 7th and 8th and I was wearing a mask, but people were looking at me like I was crazy on the plane. And so I wore a mask on the plane. I didn't wear a mask out because we didn't know what that was. But um, mm. so that was that was that Saturday and Sunday. And I came back on the Monday. I went to work. My boyfriend tore his ACL in November. And so on Tuesday, he had ACL surgery. So that was my Tuesday of being in Bellevue with him during surgery. Wednesday, Wednesday, I went to see the last Broadway show that I've ever seen on that Wednesday was The Minutes with Tracy Letts. And that was the day that there was an usher who had it, who was both at six and I think at Phantom. And so like things were starting, people were starting to talk. Like the moment I got off the plane from New Orleans, people were starting to talk about things and like, And I just remember being like, well, do I go to the minutes? Like, do I go? And I remember walking into the theater with my hands in my pockets and being like, I'm not going to touch anything. I don't think I can wear a mask in the theater. I think that's a little bit too much. But I saw the play and it was great. And I came I went back to my boyfriend. I just want to interrupt you super briefly to plug David Capriliotis. Love me some Dave Cap is the next episode he's going to be released. Well, by the time people are listening to this, it was already released. And he was talking about the minutes because he was casting Virginia Woolf in the minutes and he never got to see Virginia Woolf. No. But he went and saw the minutes. So I love, he just was talking to me about this and talking to me about the usher and everything. So I totally get it. And so funny. Yeah. Also, he's an incredible human as well. Uh, One of the best humans. One of the, the very best humans. And on the way to the minutes, I passed Virginia Woolf and I think that just shut down like a couple of hours before and Scott Rudin was outside talking to someone. So it was like everything. <laughs> never was, a good thing. Never a good thing. So it just everything was in the air. And so I went into the minutes. I saw the show. I went back to the Bronx where my boyfriend was because he just had surgery. And when I walked in, I sat down and I turned on the TV and that's when the NBA shut down. And so that was like kind of the thing that started the thing. And so then my boss texted me and she was like, I think you don't need to come in tomorrow. And so then I never went back into the office. So that was Thursday and then work from home Thursday, Friday. And then my boyfriend went back to Baltimore to recuperate because he thought it was going to be just two weeks and didn't want to be in the city with an ACL tear surgery. And then he was there until June. So I didn't see him until June. Um, So that was that one week in March was, was just crazy. I'm just thinking, I'm so happy he got the surgery when he did. Yes. And then the flip side to that's funny that you would mention Carly Famelant. He's also an actor and he was on hold for a recur for that time. And the thing about like his tear, he could still walk. Like if you saw him, you didn't think that he had an ACL uh, tear or anything because he was still mobile. Um, but he was on hold for something and they didn't know until that Monday and he would, he, and thank God he got the surgery because 
he wouldn't have had the surgery and now he's fully recovered doing you know squats and things <laughs> i need to go do some squats and <laughs> me too <laughs> um so that was that was my march and then you know we went through the the pandemic um and you know that happened and when did like uh, when in the timeline did I mean, I'm sure it was right away television shows were, we're going to start picking up, we're going to start picking up. But when did it feel like it was actually really happening and kind of how did it all kind of slowly start again? Yeah. So I was working on a show with Meredith Tucker, who is amazing.com. I was her associate on a project. And once we stopped working from home, it was still like, okay, we're going to work from home. We're going to do self-tapes. We're going to figure this out. Um, and then I would say maybe like a week down the line, they were like, actually, let's cut the cord. Um, and some studios were very nice enough to like pay for like three weeks. So that was, that was that, but I don't think things got from my purview, things didn't get starting running until we went into the fourth zone or what what was it called? Like the fourth phase phase yeah, yeah. phase like you know it's so long ago i now i'm saying back in the day when i mean pre-covid but like phase four is when things i feel like started r- ramping up because i think that was in june or maybe late may um i think the day after we opened i got an email from a producer to be like hey can you cast this commercial so that was kind of my introduction back into it i was doing a lot of commercials mm. uh, and a lot of people a lot of things from like porn if you've already been quarantined with families or like you know, roommates and things like that. I was doing that. And then a couple weeks later, I got uh, a call about a short film. And then a couple weeks later, you know, it just it kind of like started with commercials and then like small independent things. And then I started working on the Chase show in September, October. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of what that was. Wow. So, okay, so now does life feel now a little bit like we are from your perspective in your work are things obviously things are different but things mostly have opened back up for like all of film and television for the most part you know i i i cast the chase show i i I was working on a untitled michael chase sketch show for hbo max i was casting that from october and we're supposed to wrap this week uh weather committing um, so I was doing that, you know, again, from October until now. Yeah. And then when checking avails, it was as if like pandemic who, you know, everybody was working, everybody was, uh, you know, a lot of people were unavail, which was great. But at the same time, I was just like in a pandemic, like everybody, like people, <laughs> like, every, like there was one actor in particular who was unavailable until 2022. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. So there were things like that. So what I've been saying is like, sometimes you forget because like you said, things are bustling and things are busy. And then, you know, someone, you know, you hear of a production shutting down because someone gets it, you know, or um, things like that. And then it snaps you back in. It's like, oh, yeah, right. They're like zones, people walking around with PPE and everybody has to get tested at a certain point in time and multiple tests and things like that. So I think the work is still like pounding. I just got hired to do a pilot. For, for a network late last night um and Very then cool. yeah and then i'll be co-casting something a uh, couple couple weeks down the line for for another show yeah i it's it's still working and i think during this time something that i've i've realized is like the human race is truly adaptable you know, mm-hmm. it's it very much we adapt to to our situations. Sundance is happening right now. 
you know, Sundance Film Festival is happening right now. And the fact that they were just like, yeah, this is the biggest festival, you know, in the world or one of the biggest festivals, but we're still going to have it. It's going to be virtual. And it's a beautiful thing because I have a lot of friends whose like bucket list was to go to Sundance. And of course, we're not, you know, in Park City on a snowy mountaintop, but you can still see the films you know, and have that experience and see the talkbacks and, and have that, um, which you, which you might've not had if it was in person. Totally. Totally. I think that that's so true. I think that we are, you know, finding those silver linings for sure. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. I want to just switch right over to something that I know just people are wanting to hear about. And I also want to hear about um, that self tape world, because Mm -hmm. we are all making a lot of them and perfecting our self tape world and game more than we ever thought we would have to. And I know that you have been probably watching more self tapes than you ever thought that you would be watching. Yeah. I think like my first question is just, is it, since we've started all making and watching self tapes since the pandemic, has anything new been occurring to you about self tapes or something that you've been ruminating on or something that you've been thinking about or actors have been doing or not doing that you've Mm -hmm. just been that's just on your mind about just this is kind of a general question, but if anything occurs to you, you know, kind of when I say that. I mean, first of all, I just want to say hats off to all the actors that are getting it done during this time. You know, I think it's it's just, a tr- again, a true testament on how the human species is just adaptable. You know, we just adapt. And, you know, I think the number one thing for self-tapes that I want to just get across is that it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, we just need to hear you and we need to see you. And, you know, there are things to help with that. But like these phones are killing the game, you know, and and, you know, just putting on a light. And, uh, you know, if you have great natural light, that's great. And if you don't just put on a light. I think a lot of people are putting so much stress on themselves for it to look perfect. And it's like I, I don't want people spending thousands and thousands of dollars to make their own home studio when in fact all we need is a blank clean wall your phone and you you know there are little things to think about of course framing like we don't necessarily want just to see your eyes or just to see your nose and things like that um but again i just need to see you and i need to hear you i think that's that's the biggest thing that i want to get across if you want to get the fancy camera if you want to get the fancy microphone if you want to get the fancy backdrop and you have the means to do it that's totally fine. But I just don't want anyone to feel like they have to do anything. The only thing that you have to do is be yourself. And, and another thing is, is, is another thing, another thing to think about is like communication, right? Like you said, everybody is self-taping. It's, it's all kind of the wild, wild west. But if you need more time, just let us know, right? Like if, if there's a deadline and it's a hard deadline, we'll tell you, you know, if it's like, actually, I need to cast this yesterday and like I needed you know in by like 11 a.m we'll have that conversation with you but for the most part there's always an extra hour there's always maybe an extra day you know everyone's trying their best everyone's working on fumes and I just want that open communication because I just don't want someone to not let me know and then I'm you know hounding your agents or calling your agents or calling you and trying to figure out hey like where's that self-tape I was really excited to see it and then they're like oh yeah, let me go check. And then they check in with you. And it's like, Oh, can I please have another day? 
just I would just say as much as you can have that conversation up at the top so that we can just be like, okay, cool. We know we know that it's coming. So that's that's the thing that I would say. That's so good to hear <laughs> because sometimes you forget that there's like a human on the other side of, of it, you know, yeah. and it's, and we're all so remote in our little spaces right now, but yeah, that totally makes sense. If I, if you need more time or you need something, you can always ask. And then if you, then you get more information because sometimes it just feels a little scary too. Yes. Yes. Cause I think, I think, you know, we're always trying to not take up space. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to burden you. I don't want to mm-hmm. take up space in your day. So I'm just going to hold. But sometimes the hold is more detrimental to the person, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, especially if we're like looking for something. So that's why I'm just like, like you said, there's always a human on the other side of the line. And there's, and with that, it's like, we understand that life always comes up. We're in a pandemic. You know, people are like, we're in a panorama. We're in a Panera bread. Like it's, it's very much like we are in this together. And some, and some people have been hit by it a little bit more than most, but whatever it is, like we're in it and this is different and, and we're going to be in it for a little bit longer. Um, so we all have to kind of have compassion and empathy for each other. Um, and, and just to realize that it's okay if it's a few minutes late. It's okay if maybe it's a day late. Just let us know. Mm-hmm. I used to ask a question like, what can actors do to push themselves over the top? Or like, what can we do to go from, you know, you sending our videos to um, off to producers? And I, maybe I'll, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, you know, or or what are the things that are in the videos that producers are ultimately picking? Like, is there anything that's common? But I'm not going to ask that question because I just feel like I've learned we can't know. It taste is subjective. We can't know what gets someone the job. Yeah. Either you look like their ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, Correct. or you know you are the vision that they dreamed in their head that night, and then you just pop mm-hmm. on their screen. So I think I'm going to reframe and say, are there any things that actors do that maybe you have been coming up that can keep them from getting the job? Or anything that can, that you're, yeah, I guess, you know, we can't do anything to get the job, but is there anything that will keep us out of the running from getting the job? Hmm. And if you don't really have an answer, no, that's cool I think, too. I think, I think this answers both questions simultaneously. And I, I call it the Wizard of Oz rule. You know, it's like, My favorite you, had movie. It, you, you had it within you the whole time, right? Like you were wearing the ruby slippers. All you had to do was click those heels three times. And I think, what actors think about is what do they want, right? And I think mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head where this whole business, regardless of where you are, is so subjective, right? And and what I usually say to actors is when you ask me, what do I want? I want your personal best on that day, at that time, at that hour, at that minute, at that second. Because that's that's all you can do right? All you can do is do your personal best at that time, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, the director could wake up one day and say, you know what, I really don't like my sister. I really don't like my sister right now. And they walk in and something about you reminds them of their sister. And then they're like, "Mm, I don't like that person. And it's like, what do you it's like, I don't know, I just I just don't like that person. And so sometimes you'll get a and sometimes it's like, you know what, I really don't like my dog. And it's like an actor walks in and, and they're talking. And they're like, oh, I just love my dog. It was like, you know what? Scratch it. I don't like you. Like, like there's just so many things that like is in people's heads that you can't control. And that's why I tell actors all the time. There's so many things that are <laughs> that is not in your control that you can't even think about. 
And that's why it's like, just come in, do the work as best as you can. And that's all you can do. If it doesn't go your way, it wasn't yours. And you know, you're saved for, for some whatever reason. But I think the thing that people think about, especially with TV, is thinking about, you know, well, how would the character move? Like, it's very much of like, what would the character do? And TV is so different in the fact that it's an evolving medium, right? Like you have your episode one, episode two, season two, season 22 of your SVU. You have all these things that move, right? And it's a personality game. So if you get the role of Alex, it's not what would Alex do? Because guess what? They don't know what Alex would do. It's what would I do as Alex, right? So like, how would Mm -hmm. I do this, right? And that's the thing. We see thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people for these roles sometimes, especially the bigger roles, like the series regulars and maybe like the recurs, at the end of the day, we're going to pick one, right? So why do we pick that one person? It's something that they bring that they can only bring, right? There's 7 billion people on this planet, but there's only one you. And I know that sounds like woo-woo, as my boyfriend says. Um, but but that's something that is very important, that you have to put your unique stamp on it. When we say make a big choice, make a bold choice, a choice is an opinion on the work. So I need to know what your opinion is on that word, on that sentence, on that phrase, on that scene, on that page, on that script, right? So I need to understand what you think about it, right? And I think that's what we're looking for. That point of view, that, that choice, that opinion, um, is something that, that will make you stand out just innately, right? So even if you are a twin, you're two different people, right? So I should see two different reads from two different people. And then if there's a thousand people, I should see a thousand different reads for a thousand people. So I think some some people get in the trap of playing it safe and they don't even know that they're playing it safe. But I think the playing it safe is trying to please someone and you're always going to fail because you don't know how to please that person. And that person doesn't even know how to please that person. Right. It's like a dinner party. Right. You know, you're at a dinner party with five different producers. One producer likes the chicken. The other producer wants the steak. The other producer is a vegan. And the other producer wants to tell me that the the, the grass is green. Right. So you just never know what you're going to get on that day. So you have to, you have to, you have to take the power back and just say, you know what? I'm going to do it this way. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. It's, it's interesting because it either comes with being in this business for a while and that finally clicking or that comes with the naivete of being like, well, I didn't know, you know, like I'm just going to throw it to the wind and just do it. Um, you know, it's like, you know, when they say like the babies are the best artists because they don't have that mindset, you know, they're not thinking about things. So yeah, I would just say, just don't get in the trap of trying to please somebody because you're, or being someone else. That's another thing that people try to do. I was working on a show and I was close with the actor um, and I knew she was really great for it. And she sent in this tape and I, and I messaged her personally. I was like, I need you to do that again. And she was like, why? I was like, I don't see you. I see someone else. And she was like, yeah, I was, I was acting like this one actor in a film. And I was like, well, you're going to fail like that. You're going to fail every time because you're not that actor. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're trying to put on, like, even if you, you know, change your name, if you dye your hair, if you go to the same school as this person, if you have the same rep, blah, 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 you can check all those boxes of that person. At the end of the day, your DNA is not the same as their DNA. So it's always going to fail. So you have to have to have to be yourself. That's always going to book the job. Playing it safe will probably just get you lost in the shuffle. That did answer both questions very, very well. You know, you you totally hit the nail on the head when you were like, you know, how do people finally learn this or finally get to understand this concept, you know? And it is 
either just doing it in, in the business for a really long time and just staying, you know. But what I'm hoping is that hearing what you just said from someone like you through this podcast world, I hope that, you know, it's bridging the gap and people are starting to understand, you know, because versions of what you said have obviously been said on the podcast before because, um, but you actually... <laughs> Maybe said it the best um, because no, but in an, in an easy way to understand because um, it really is, it really is the only way and, yeah. and will, and absolutely will keep you from getting the part if you're, you know, m- mimicking someone else or not, or not being yourself. Yeah. Just some like technical things about, about self tapes. I know sure. every office is a little different. So say it's like, a, I don't know, say it's for anything like a reoccur or guest star or Sending in multiple takes of the same scene with a different take on, you know, obviously you don't want to do something totally crazy and you don't want to send in two tapes of the same exact take on the scene. Correct. But in that world, in that version of being you, you know, you're Mm -hmm. like, well, I could either kind of go this way or I could either go this way. Mm -hmm. I know kind of every office is a little bit different about that, actually, especially Mm -hmm. because we're in a new world with self tapes. How Mm -hmm. do you feel about how do you feel about that? You said it best. If it's one way or the other, then send two takes. And especially, you know, I think things are changing because of where we are and because of social distancing. Like for self-tapes in particular, I would always say get a living, breathing human being to be your reader, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would always say that. We're in a pandemic, social distancing. Now call a friend, right? So it's a a little bit of an audible. With the self-taping of the takes, pre-pandemic, I would just say, send that one take, unless it's completely, 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 completely different. Now I'm saying two takes is fine because sometimes you don't have the note. Sometimes you don't necessarily know where this lives in the tone of the world. You know, I would say no more than two, maybe three, depending. Once we get past that, then it gets bit cumbersome you know the other someone someone posted online about receiving four takes and I was like well I got six the other day you know (laughs) and it's just very much at that point it's like you're not gonna you you might not get six takes on set you know Mm -hmm. and I think someone said they got like upwards of 10 and it's like well at that point now I'm worried as a casting director that it like you know it might have taken you 30 takes to get the 10 takes and when I send you to set they're not going to give you those 30 takes, you know? So just something also to think about there. But I always say, you know, especially like if you have a natural accent that isn't, you know, American, whatever that means. Um, and it's not specifically something that is set in, you know, the South Bronx, New York in the 1980s, you know, or something that's very specific. And it's just, you know, generic of like any type of profession that could be from anywhere. And your natural accent is, you know, Irish or New Zealand or South African. And you're like, well, why couldn't this doctor be from, you know, Australia? I'm going to send one take with my American accent. and I'm going to send another take with my Australian accent. Those are two completely different takes. You know, the Mm -hmm. thing that sometimes I get, though, is when it's like, well, I said the word what differently in this take. And I sent and I said it differently in this take. So those are two different takes, right? It's like, no, those are the same. It's the same thing. This is the same thing. That's act. That's your no take is going to be the same ever. You know, yeah. there's going to be inflections here and there. But I think if tone is completely different, you know, if one is 
angry and you're just like, I don't know if she's being an angry person or if she's being sarcastic and sweet. I don't know. So I'm going to send both. That's two completely different takes, right? Mm -hmm. But just the, in the nuances and you're just not sure which one to send, I think make a choice. And or send it to, I think, I think again, it depends on how much time you have. You know, if you're not sure, send it to a friend that's not in the business. They usually have the best eye because that's the audience. Usually it's, it's, you know, that's who we're making this for. So send it, you know, send it to someone who's not in your business or send it to your agent. Or if you have a represent and send it to your agent and manager and say, which one should I send? Mm -hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Um, I, I just want to know if you can briefly, we don't need to get like super um, nitty gritty about it, but briefly just talk me through the process of say it's like a guest star, you know, it's not something super huge, but it's definitely something meatier. Putting the breakdown out, how you kind of make your, you know, do you make a list before you get submissions? You know, kind of how you build your, I like to call it a menu of of actors that you then present to, uh, well, then you watch the tapes. I guess I want you to walk, walk us through this. And then how many do you send on to, who do you send them on to? Do you know, kind of stuff like that. And then walk me through um, being pinned because mm -hmm. I feel like, I didn't know what it was until it happened. And I just feel like I still kind of am confused about, you know, how many people do get pinned. What, is yeah. that, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a long question of just no. maybe starting the beginning of the, of the process. Yeah. So the beginning of the process. So, you know, you get the script, you break down the script, um, meaning I go, you know, myself or my associate or whomever I'm working for, we'll go through the script and see how many speaking roles there are, you know, and we'll say, okay, this is, you know, this is the guest star, you know, this is, oh, this person's coming back. Oh, great. This is a recur. Wonderful. Or, you know, if we get intel to be like, hey, I, this is a new character, but this will be a like a heavy recur, you know, we'll mark that down, you know, we'll mark down, you know, waiter number one or, you know, things like that. So we'll go through the script and mark them down and, and you know, see who's the guest star, who the co-stars are, et cetera, et cetera. Then we'll write the breakdown. Then we'll get that approved depending on what type of project you're working on. If it's a TV show, you have to get it approved by the creatives, which were, you know, the writers and the directors and the showrunners. And then you get that approved by studio and then network, right? And so then once that is all approved, uh, with the sides, of course, you know, you cut the sides, the, the things that the actors will say when they come into the audition room. Um, do casting directors cut the sides? We do. Yeah, okay. We do. And so it's different sometimes. Sometimes the writers are like, well, I want this and this, you know, and then we just manually cut it. And then sometimes we'll suggest here are the these that we're thinking of. So, you know, it's a, it's a collaborative art, you know, maybe it's like, oh, maybe not this scene, maybe this scene or things like that. So we go back and forth and then we, you know, go through the approval process. And so then we have our breakdown and we have our sides and we're ready. Right. And so then we put them, put our breakdown out. Then, you know, the whole agents and managers and the and actors are like awakened, you know, it's like, oh, OK, here we are. People submit, you know, and during that process, I also make lists as well like you said, um, just in case, you know, people get missed in the in the pack, or if they if some maybe sometimes the agent and manager might not see that they're right for it, but I will, and vice versa. So I'll make my list, people start submitting, we'll take the list that I have, as well as the submissions, and we'll set people up. Or if it's a big enough role, or, you know, maybe not even a big enough role, I'll let producers know just to be like, you know, here are some people that I also thought were great, we checked their avail, 
you know, they're available, they're offer only, they probably wouldn't read. Um, but just to have this also, just in case, you know, we see reads and you might not be sure. Presumably you have the, their reels too, right? The, yes. of those people that won't. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And so then, you know, we'll go through the audition process back in the day before COVID, it would be people coming in. But now, you know, it could be a hybrid of self-tape or virtual uh, casting sites or things like that. Um, you and know. how many, I mean, okay, pre, I mean, how did you, what did you, Scott? You said back, back in the, the day. day, back in the day, how many people roughly, cause I know it's different. Would you see? And then today for self tapes, roughly how many people are you seeing? Is it the same number? Has it changed? No, it's not the same number because you have a set amount of time during that day that you can see people, right? Mm -hmm. So for waiter number one that says, can I take your order? might see 15 people in person. Now I'm sending like at least double that for self-tapes. With people coming in, most of the time you know that they're going to come in. You know, if they confirm they're going to come in. But sometimes, like I said, people don't have time to tape. They didn't get the request. There's so many things that go up in the air. So I try to just have that safety net. And of course, and for me also... This has been a pro in the fact that I can now see more actors mm. and get to know actors. And so this is an easy way for me to learn actors and to, to meet actors. So I often put out more self-tapes than I would probably get to be able to see in person. Mm. And I think and I think a lot of casting directors are finding that as well because we have more time to like I can, you know, take eat my lunch and watch self-tapes. You know, I can I can be in bed and watch self tapes. I can watch self tapes during the weekends. You know, there's mm -hmm. this there's many times that I can just watch self tapes that I wouldn't be able to if someone's coming in. So I'm definitely seeing more actors uh, than I probably would before because of because of the the self taping world. So yeah, you know, we see you know we see people, and then like you said, it's very subjective. Some casting directors like have a cap, and they're like, I'm only showing six people. Like they'll show six people per role. And then you have some casting directors are like, well, you're good for it. I'm going to show you, you know, people who are good for it. I'm more in that realm. Um, I don't necessarily want to show you everybody that comes across my desk because mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily choosing, you know, or whatever. But I, I you know, I, everything is subjective and it depends on the project, you know, with commercials, you want to send a little bit more than you would usually. So yeah, you want, you want to be selective for me. Um, but I do want to kind of give them choices. So they, they feel a, a part of the process sometimes. And, especially, and again, it depends on the show, you know, it depends on the medium. And then they, like usually like the showrunner writer right like they'll come back to you with one person you know is that and that's the thing um sometimes you'll have a show where you'll have one person that says these are the people and then you'll have another show where it's like producers weigh in and then at the end they'll pick one after they all come together when i start pinning people is when i when people start throwing names out you know, it's like, oh, I like this person. I like this person. I like this person. Sometimes, you know, if if they are sent on the link, you know, sent to producers, if if there is time, I might, you know, let agents know just to be like, hey, just to let you know, we sent them off to producers, blah, 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 blah. Let me know if, if someone comes back. But the pinning process for me is when people start putting out names out there. Mm -hmm. Cool. And pinning is... Basically, you're like holding your availability. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of it's it's basically saying like you're in the running, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the term pinning came from like a push pin, you know, mm-hmm. being able to like come out. It's like it's not like as 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 permanent as say a staple, but it's very much it can move all around. But it's just very much like there is strong interest in this person. Creatives have come back and said that they they like this person for this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you got it, but it means that you've you've moved along on on this choo-choo train of crazy you could possibly be in it totally thank you so much erica we're like we're like at our time but i'm like i mean it's just so helpful like everything you've been saying i mean it's so um illuminating you know because i think some of this stuff for some people is like oh obviously but for so many for so many of us, it's just something that we don't really get to peek behind the curtain, you know, to like yeah. see like what happens. And I think it can hearing this information and hearing it from someone like you who is there watching the tapes, casting the things, it just it goes so far. And I think it can help us all relax a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. and then understand that it's really about doing your, you know, your best work and, and, you know, being a human and and all of those things rather than, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I see it on television and I need to make myself tape look like it does on television. And I need to look like those people do on television. You know, it's, it's helpful to hear everything you've been saying. And I'm so, so thankful. No, no. And thank you. And I just, you know, I, I just always want to say that, that person, you know, behind the table, we don't have a table anymore, behind the screen, I guess, is always rooting for you, regardless of, you know, where they are on the nice meter, you know, they mm-hmm. could be the nicest human being. And I've been very lucky and fortunate that all of my bosses have been nice human beings who love actors and are rooting for actors. So I've always instilled that in my work because those are my mentors and those are my bosses who have shown me the way of how to cast it. But then you got people who are not that, that that we all know who are out there and we don't need to say their name on this podcast. Regardless of where they are on that meter, they are rooting for you, right? The nice mm-hmm. one is rooting for you because they love you and they, they support you and they want you to make that coin and they know that it's hard and they believe in you. That not so nice person, hey, I got a thousand roles, you come in and book it, that's 999 things now that I have to think about, right? So if you look good, we look good right? It's a very symbiotic relationship here. So every time we watch a self-tape, every time someone walks through that door, every time we receive something, we're just like, please be good. Please be good, right? So always know that there is someone rooting for you. You might not think it and you might be like, oh, casting directors are so scary, but they're all rooting for you. Yeah. Erica, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and your insight and your passion clearly for, you know, what you do in this business and everything. And you've said it so well and in a way we can understand it. So thank you so much. And um, I totally, totally appreciate it. No, thank you. and, And have a good rest of your day. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. 
And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown.